At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick. Uh, we're going to continue on our merry theme of the week, which is more bad news, and the market just shrugs it off. So we're going to talk about uh, earnings. going to talk about latest developments uh, as it relates to the uh, the cruise cruise stocks and uh, coronavirus and more bad news for Aurora Cannabis. And don't forget, we have a jobs number as well at 8.30. And in between all of that, we'll have two guests on the show today at 8.15. We'll be joined by Kenny Glick from hitthebid.com. And at 8.35, we'll be joined by Jeremy Schwartz. He's a director of research at Wisdom Tree. So a busy show on the docket for today. Joel, what's going on here in the overnight session? Uh, we're down. We're down eight and a quarter handles. Uh, pretty nice range overnight. Uh, got a pop off that 6 p.m. open. We hit 33.50, so there's a nice target for you on the upside. On the downside, we did take out the low from yesterday at 32.50, but uh, we're back above it. Uh, coming up on mid-range of the session at uh, 33, uh, let's call it 33.39. Of course, jobs number uh, coming out at uh, 8.30. I could shake up the markets here a little bit, but those uh, early down eight and a quarter at 33.37. Boy, crude can't rally to save its life. Uh, that two-day rally really didn't materialize. Down 48 cents at 50.47. Gold in the red by a buck 40 at 15.68.60. Silver going the same way, down 12.3 cents at 17.695. And someone has an offer at 10,000 in the Bitcoin futures. 10,030 is your high, but uh, only down $25. Really hanging up near that's the uh, that major resistance level. So let's uh, let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, how you doing this morning? I'm all right. I'm a little bit worried about all these new viruses, and I I don't know. I'm just I know why you're worried. I know why you're worried. Well, give me the give, yeah. I'm worried because I see that headline last I night. That there's you, 41 more people have it on that ship. That's not why you're worried. I, why? I, told, you, I told you this would happen. You're worried because you watched Contagion. <laughs> told you. Said, you told me not to watch Contagion. What do I do? I go and watch Contagion. What am I doing? Told you it would freak you out. <laughs> you know what? I actually only watched the first 40 minutes I shut off. And that was it's probably, that's probably that was, the worst 40 minutes to watch. Yeah. Probably. Like you see, and, and you know what? It's crazy because that movie is feels so much like what's really happening over in Wuhan right now. It really doesn't it not feel like, did you watch it recently? It is like, yeah, I watched spooky that it's so, it's so similar. The events are so similar. I watched it a few weeks ago, so you didn't see how they how they found a cure. So that would make you feel a little better. Okay, so I got to keep watching, and then I'm going to feel better because they're going to find the cure, and then everybody's going to live. Yes. And the world's going to be saved, it, and that's it, what it, we it, want to happen here, folks. But yeah, if you just watch the first 40 minutes of Contagion, you're really spooked then now. So you're absolutely right. I watched Contagion. Bad call on my part. You warned me not to watch, and I was like, I was on the treadmill on board. I turned on the Netflix, and I was like, you know what? I'll watch Lobos Contagion. And the first, I had to fast forward like 10 minutes of it because I couldn't handle it um, just off the bat when, when the kid was getting sick and stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm not watching any of that. So I fast forwarded that part because I kind of knew what was going to happen. I think I watched this movie years ago because I was kind of remembering some stuff. But wowzers, that movie is scary for what the current times are it, right it, now. It's an oddly prescient film. So anyway, uh, more cases uh, both yeah. uh, in China and on a number of cruise ships around the world now. There's the one we, we've been talking about in Japan, another one heading towards New Jersey that could have some 
Uh, give us all the specific details on this because this is market moving today. Right. Okay. So the 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 ship that's been docked in Japan now has um, sixty and uh, sixty one, I believe, confirmed cases on board. This is the one that's been docked uh, for the past three or four days now, uh, and they're they're in quarantine. And there's another ship. Uh, this is a Royal Caribbean ship heading yeah. to New Jersey uh, with uh, um, a number of Chinese nationals on board who they think could have the virus. So they will be tested when they dock. So they're coming to New Jersey to dock, and yep. then they're going to quarantine the ship, I would assume. I mean, this is what seems to be what they're doing. So this could end up being the third ship that is quarantined. Um, it's absolutely amazing to me how well the cruise lines are holding up. Uh, full disclosure, I am short Carnival Cruise Lines. Um, and, you know, I am talking my trading book a little bit here. I don't get it. I don't get why these stocks aren't down significantly simply because... I don't know who is going and going to go book a cruise right now. They asked Jim Cramer this question um, uh, yesterday in his morning segment, and they were just saying, would you book a cruise right now? And Cramer said, actually, I just canceled one. And he was serious. Um, I think there's people who are probably canceling their bookings. I would not want to go on a cruise right now. And I don't know who is going in their right mind and going out and booking a cruise right now when you see the stuff that is happening. I mean, there's no better place for a disease to spread than, you know, in tight quarters. And on a cruise ship, I mean, these are, you know, and obviously there's lots of cruises going on. I'm sure there's hundreds of cruises and we've only got potentially three ships quarantined so far. But at the same time, I mean, how do you come in here and buy these stocks right now when you don't even know, first of all, if it's going to continue to spread. Secondly, if they continue, you know, you, you almost wonder if eventually, you know, there's going to be some type of government intervention on some of these ships and say, look, you know, we can't sail in these areas. We can't sail here, at least for the short term. So I just don't understand why I would want to own these stocks right now with so much unknowns on the table. Would you, would you guys book a cruise right now? Would you go out, Joel? Would you be comfortable I, enough I, to go book? A I don't like right cruise. Well, you're asking the wrong guy. Joel would book cruises. I don't like cruises, anyways. Would you even like want to go on a vacation right now to a resort? Uh Northern Michigan's looking pretty. Well, Northern good. Michigan's looking great, <laughs> <laughs> but all inclusive, you know, where there's lots of people from all around the world going. Would you want to do that right now? Uh not really. Not really. Not really. No. I'd wait it out a bit. And, and this could just be all short-term problems. This could just be all short-term problems. But the market, the way the cruise ships are holding up, it's telling you that they're, you know, they're not concerned that bookings are going to be significantly down. I mean, Royal Caribbean said on their last, they reiterated their guidance. So the guidance looks good, except we don't know how, what the coronavirus impact is going to be. And that throws everything off the table. And RCL was up. RCL was trading at 122 after earnings. And I think a lot of those comments, you know, from the conference call saying, well, we, we, we're reading our guidance, but we're not going to say anything about the coronavirus. That could impact it. So we don't know how that's going to impact it. I'll tell you how it's going to impact it. I don't think anybody's booking a cruise right now. So I would absolutely, I think these are ground zero stocks for the coronavirus. The cruise ships, the casinos. Um, and obviously, you know, I have some trading positions in some of these. I have a spread on win versus Las Vegas Sands. So I'm actually not neutral. They're actually slightly long there. Uh, but um, just looking at you know the, the Carnival and the RCL and the NCLH, I don't want to own any of those things. And full disclosure, I am short Carnival. So and then I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, 61 people out of 200 and some tested have the thing. I worry there's going to be a lot more cases potentially on that ship. If you were on that ship right now, how are you feeling? I mean, I feel sorry for those people too. Like, I'll just be, you know, first, they got to be scared about the virus. Secondly, I heard that, you know, it's, it's, you oh, know, some people are confined to their cabins. Well, they're in quarantine, right? So if you're, imagine being on like one of the interior cabins with no windows, right? Sounds horrible. Um, Sounds like the worst thing ever. I, I and know. Then worrying that you're going to get sick. Right. Every time you have a cough, a tickle in my throat, am I getting sick? I mean, this is just, you know, awful. And the airlines too, you know, go for the W saying, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to own an airline stock right now. I have puts on Delta. I'm also, or I, I'm, I'm short Delta. I also have puts on LUV. Um, so t again, talking my book a little bit here, but the trade hasn't been working. I mean, I'm down in this LUV puts. It hasn't been working. LUV has been ripping higher, but I don't, and it doesn't have as many international operations as the Delta no. or UAL. So maybe those are the better plays if you're looking at it, you know, that this is going to continue, but the market's resilient. China's not down much last night. I mean, we just kind of shrug it off. We keep shrugging off all of this. Uh, all of this. Uh, we, we just keep shrugging everything off. So I don't know when that changes. I don't know when the sentiment 
towards the market starts to change. I think it does eventually, but right now, the market is just concerned with making new highs. People are concerned with don't want to miss out. We got to buy the dip. I think the market's head is in the sand. I don't think it's paying attention to anything that's going on out there. It just goes to show that like we never, we don't know who is doing what in the market, right? Unlike unless they, they, they file like an SEC filing, but we never know. Like we, we don't know who's buying this market. We don't like, is it institutions? Is it retail? Is it China? Is it, we don't know. Um, and maybe people just see te- headlines about Tesla ripping up a thousand. Oh, there's definitely or whatever. People. And they're like, Oh, I got to get on this. And and then, you know, that mania just spreads elsewhere. I, I mean, you just don't know. Maybe I'm just caught up because I watch the news and I trade stocks. So maybe it's, you know, maybe there's a lot of people who don't even know this is going on. But I talk to other people and most people have heard about this. They, they aren't scared about it because everybody thinks it's like the normal flu. It, it's not like the normal flu. I mean, and somebody said to me, stop fear mongering. I'm not fear mongering. I'm talking to you as an investor and trader and saying, you know, you need to make trading investment decisions based on information. And I, I, I've been wrong about this trade, but I mean, I think... I don't know why I'd want to own cruise lines right now. I don't know why I'd want to own airlines right now. Like I said, I don't think the end of the world's coming. I don't think this contagion movie where there's going to be hundreds of millions of people no. to get this. You've got to hope they're going to contain it. You know, they're doing their best job. I mean, you know, yes, you know, I feel very sorry for what is happening over in Wuhan. But, you know, these are, you know, they're using draconian measures, you know, measures on any resort to stop the spread. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on there that we don't even want to know about. But, I mean, I guess this is what you got to do to stop the spread of it. So maybe they're gonna, I mean, the numbers haven't been that bad coming out of there. They've slowed down, but then you got, you know, the, you know, the one doctor that's been on CNBC a lot. I think I'm going to butcher his name, but I think it's Scott Gottlieb. He was tweeting out saying a lot of the number plateauing right now is the, just the simple fact that they can't test people. They can't, uh, they, they don't have enough people to test. So they're like maxed out. So you're not going to see these, you know, crazy numbers go to like 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 cases you know, at those numbers, because they don't have the, the capacity to test much more than they're already testing. That's why you see the numbers almost the same every day. Okay, we have 3000 more cases and 70 more deaths, because that's all they have the capacity to do right now. So at least that's what you know, he was speculating. And that's what I'm speculating too. So I think the numbers are drastically higher, but they just don't have the capacity to test all these cases. And some people are dying in their homes, or some people are dying elsewhere. And they're not even getting added to the death count because they've never been tested for it. So lots of, you know, things to worry about, but the market is not worried about any of these things. Right. So just, so just to put a bow on this, I, I wasn't as alarmed as you were a few days ago, but it, it just feels unusual. The longer this goes on, the more, no- and the longer the market pretends everything is fine. It's really just pretending that everything is fine. It, la, it, la, it, la. We're all happy. Let's go about our business, you know, buy, buy the dip. We all make money. We all get rich. I don't think it's that market. That's why I've, you know, owning protection of my portfolio that's why i sold some stocks because i'm very very concerned that this is a much bigger issue than the market is letting us believe all right let's do one earnings report before we yeah, get for the- sure and let's do the the one that is uh at the top of my up filter this morning and that is pinterest up 18 percent or so after their report yesterday and it was a good one q4 adjusted eps 12 cents versus an eight cent estimate sales 400 million versus 370 million monthly active users up 26 percent year over year they gave some fiscal year sales guidance that was slightly above the estimate so good report all around for pinterest yesterday huge pop i mean we can almost do twitter with this as well um, from you know obviously twitter was the day or the day before there but i mean you're getting big pops in these stocks here um it was good. It was a good report. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of stocks pop on earnings, and I just think there's, you know, people are rah rah go stocks right now a little bit too. Markets are at high. Sentiment towards stocks themselves is very strong still, despite all this other stuff going on. So I'm not sure why that is. I still question that, but I mean, Pinterest nice pop. I'm not fading it. Uh, you did get an initial surge up to 27.80. I believe that's uh, what I have. Is the uh... Uh, the uh, after hours high and I don't this whole $28 area just there's nothing specific there you had a consolidation back in October and then you had the earnings report and boom you gave it all back right and big breakdown after the earnings report I don't know this 27 and a half 28 area 
It just looks like resistance to me. Currently trading at 27.32. Uh, so if you don't know, feel open, you get through 28, you hold 28. Yep, you know, maybe make a move towards 30. But man, oh man, it just seems like a lot of people are getting their money back from the buyers in September and October. So, so we'll see what happens at 28 bucks. But I'll tell you, when I, I was watching Twitter yesterday and it opened up higher and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to fade. It did fade from that open. It went straight up another three bucks. So oh, anything you're, you're trying happen. to fade stocks on gaps. You're asking for trouble in this market because the gap and go is prevalent. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's all started with Tesla. You know, and Tesla has a lot to do with, you know, how, you know, we've got the FOMO going again. People don't want to miss the next Tesla. So you see a stock gap and up to three bucks and it opens up, they jump in. And on Twitter, I think the same thing. I think there's people saying, hey, maybe this could really start ripping too. That's why on Pinterest, I don't want to fade Pinterest either. You got to watch. Some of them do come back in, but you got to be very, very careful fading pops right now because the pops can keep moving in this market. This market is very, it's, it's like once it starts going, man, it can go for a while. All right, yeah. let's bring let's bring on or oh, Joel. I'm sorry, did you want to say something? No, 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 no. Let's go. Let's go with Kenny. Yeah, let's bring Kenny Glick on from uh, HitTheBid.com. As I, I mean, Kenny, good morning. You guys got me. We got gotcha. you. How we doing? What's up? up, Kenny? What's going on? Everything's up. It's all it's all pee. It's all roses. Everybody's happy. New all time yes. highs yesterday. Wuhan. Well, you know, Wuhan. The market's not worried about Wuhan. Where where woo woo stocks? Exactly. If you want to know who's going on a cruise, my parents are going on a cruise. You give me some off, off, off Broadway shows and all you can eat food, my parents are there. Does they, they just book it or they already anything. had a book though? They don't care. They're booking them already. They're going, they're going. Okay, so, that's the so there is people booking cruises. Kenny, you're calming me down here. <laughs> are you worried about this virus? Are you worried about this? I am not worried about a thing. No. Oh, good. I'm not, I'm worried. The only thing is I'm Bob worried, really now, worried about the virus. I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm worried about either. Godzilla. Bob's good behind you. He's good. He's not worried either. He looks pretty content, Bob Murley, behind you. Yeah, man. He's content too? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, man. Everybody's content. So we're good. We're good. Kenny says we're good. How are you trading this market? Uh, same as always. You know, that Tesla was a lot of fun, but uh, it was more fun on the way that those three candles down when it hit 965. That was pretty damn exciting. But, uh, yeah, I was down to maybe three shares at that point at 900. I mean, that was just probably the most uh, amazing thing I've ever seen since the Tilray, I guess. But It, it felt like Tilray, really. Yeah, I mean, this is now the market that I was born into. You know, you would put a price tag on something. Some analysts would come out and say, oh, CMRC is going to go to 880. And three days later, this $300 stock would go to 880. And then you'd say CMGI to 500 and two days later, go to 500. You'd announce a two-for-one stock split, and the stock would go up 100%. So we're seeing that kind of, you know, absurdity in this market. But still, there's just – it seems pretty calm. Other than, you know, Tesla doing some extraordinary stuff, the market still seems reasonably priced. Everybody seems to be okay. And there's no way to time the, you know, inevitable pullback. I, I think maybe we'll get one in April. And at this point, I'm thinking Dow 30,000, 31,000 by then, and the Qs are going to be 250. So uh, there's no way to time the top. No one's ever going to get it right. I think if I had some money that I needed to, you know, take some profits on, I need to pay my taxes, maybe April 1st and 2nd and 3rd, you'll have a, a three-day sell-off. But, man, you just can't get in the way of this uh, craziness right now. So you don't think this virus is going to have any impact at all um, on the stocks in the next two months? You think that we've got this in quarantine? Because, I mean, that's what the media is talking about all the time is this virus. So you think this is virus. going to get quarantined? I, look, you got – we've, we've been through this already, right? I mean, we were I was overseas, and they were burning cows and pigs and uh, bird flu and SARS and Ebola. Ebola – now, if we got through Ebola, Ebola was coming to get us like the Honduras caravan was coming to get us. <laughs> <laughs> Ebola was coming to get us, and it was spreading. We had the Fukushima nuclear cloud that was going to surround the globe and destroy <laughs> us all. I'm not afraid of uh, I'm not afraid of You're the not virus. afraid of the flu. I'm not. And you know what? You give me a reason to be afraid. You know what would be a, These last two Fridays, we've actually had some of the greatest trading days of the last six months for me because we've actually had some selling. I love selling. 
I like what stocks are breaking down through strike prices on a Friday because I'm a liquidity trader. I'm pretty much mostly in cash. You know, I got some positions on some of these, you know, uh, I've been trading DDD and GE for God's sakes. I'm loaded up on GE right now, you know, from, you know, 1185 and the 1250 break and DDD looking for anything that's moving. Just like, cause you were saying people are just looking for something to do right now. So anything that's coming out of these bases, like an Uber, like a Twitter, DDD, uh, even Teva Pharmaceuticals, for God's sakes. I can't believe I'm actually trading Teva Pharmaceuticals like it's 1985 right now. But it, it, it's incredible. Just people are looking for something to do. And like you were saying with the Twitter, normally I like the fade of the gap. You're not really getting it. If anything, you know, I'm looking for gap downs like a Qualcomm yesterday, no-brainer, buying that. Twilo, T-W-L-O, gapping down, you're buying that. Give me something that's gapped down and I'm buying it. And, you know, that's but the gap way. gap ups are not fading. Yeah, you, there's, 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 no, there's no selling. But, you know, again, today, when I see a little gap down like this, I watch the volatility index. I'll watch UVXY. UVXY tends to just go red, and then the market kicks into high gear, and everybody that thought we were going to go down – starts to cover, and then we rally. And it's been the same day for 12 years. And it, until something changes, you got to just do what you're normally accustomed to seeing until it changes. I know you have a lot of positions on, so it's different. But for me, I'm just looking for what I can do mostly on the day. And, you know, that's the way I'm going to stay, especially now if something does actually, you know, when people start taking something serious, you know. Because, I mean, I guess this is serious, you know, at this point. I can't take it serious because the market doesn't take it serious. That's the way I look at it. I keep my head in the sand right now. I don't watch the news. Interesting. So tell us more about your Tesla trading these past few weeks. Well, the whole premise was, you know, getting back in once they reported that blowout number where they finally reported earnings. The stock had been, you know, a juggernaut before that. So it went to 385 without earnings. And then it cracked down to what, 185? It got back above the 250, then you had that earnings report. So as soon as that earnings report came back in, huge fan of Tesla. Why wouldn't it go back to 385, especially in the market environment that we're in? So I'm thinking 385 minimum. So I'm buying 385 calls, you know, three months out, assuming it's going to get there. But once those calls started doubling and tripling, there was no reason not to sell. And then you got that parabolic move after 420. So once it broke 420, I'm thinking, all right, let me get into some 500s because they're probably going to go to 500 because if the market's ever been as reminiscent to 1999, this is it. So generally your stock, you know, stocks that break 80 generally get to that 120. 120 got you 200. And again, if you were trading back then, this is what worked. You got a stock that went over 250, generally you went to 500. So I was thinking 500 minimum and my whole premise was any day now, they're going to announce a split. Why wouldn't they? Because this is like a, you know, it's a cult favorite. It's a, the millennials are loving it. Everybody's loving it. Wouldn't they love it even more at 80 bucks again? You know, if they would have done a five for one split when that stock hit 500, it was going to go to a thousand. Oh wait, it did go to a thousand. <laughs> so it's like my premise there was that, you know, this is more than the car company. It's more than the batteries. It's just, it, it basically exemplifies this entire market. Everybody wants to be in the hottest thing. Nobody cares about what it is, what the price is. It's all relative. And then once you've got that momentum going, there was no reason to think 750, then a thousand. So that's when we got up to that near that thousand. I'll tell you, I was still buying at 950, thinking, all right, here comes another 50 points. And then when it starts to peter out, we're selling into the move as always. We're down to a couple of shares at that point. And then I was like, all right, maybe we shorted it breaks 950 again. And then whoosh, that was it. And that's when I started selling premium on the stock. You could have went out there, and I still have this on right now. Somebody was willing to buy an 1880 call in September for like $45. I mean, we're talking, we're still 1,100 points away from where the stock was, and somebody wants to pay me $50 a contract for that. I'll take that guy's action. I mean, I'm not going crazy. I'm selling one or two contracts, but at $50 a contract, I was able to sell 1500s that are expiring today for 550. I just said, I, I heard that. They were going for five bucks that day, the 1500s. Like yeah, more than that. Nine, they were, this guy's they, got they, silly. 
they were up to 21. They were I only 21. got them at five. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable stuff. And again, I'll, I'll tell you right now, when I sold those contracts, I was afraid. I was afraid. At the, 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 the rational person, which I can be during trading, rational thought, I'm thinking, there's no way this is getting to 1,500 in the next three days. But then there's that, that moment, I'm like, well, I guess it could. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe. what the guy that sold the thousand when the thing was at six eighty, and the person who sold the thousand uh, call for a nickel. That's what right. they were thinking. It's off the charts. Oh my god! Yeah, right? mean, that went to a hundred dollars. That yeah. call went to a hundred dollars. You turn fifty bucks. What is that into a hundred grand? Yeah, I think it's just you about a thousand dollars back to like a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah. Me and my kids were doing. We were doing the math, you know, I was showing them what the option contract that I had. At one point, it was about 172 times my money after I got out. <laughs> 172 times. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that happens all the time. It was nuts. It, yeah. it's, you, you, you never see it like that. The market makers or whoever, I hope they were hedged, but, you know, whoever's selling those, you're selling those naked and just collecting those nickels, that was your, like, black swan event as a, oh. or a call writer. That was the black swan event right there for you. Yeah, I mean, that, it's incredible. But you guys were talking about, you know, where's this money coming from? I, since the 2009, 2010 bottom, I just think the government, that's my answer to everything now. It's the government. They're supporting this market. The money's coming out of thin air. I think they're just changing the price. At this point, I don't even think it's real money. I think they're just changing <laughs> the price. They're changing the price. Wow. Yeah. There's a, we, we were talking about this with China, you know, and there it's all about image and they want to hold their markets up, you know, and they're not allowing you to sell or certain people can't sell and then he can't sell short. And they were saying they were going to inject liquidity. So, I mean, if you're shorting down on the Friday, you were fighting China and the people who were fighting China were wrong. So China is, is definitely, <laughs> they've already said they're coming into the markets and supporting them. Right. So how do you fight that? Right. And how do you fight if you're doing stuff like that? They're just churning. <laughs> I mean, how do you fight it? Right. Yeah. Hard. I, I think I think we're going to have a tell. You know, I thought some of the dash for trash stocks and you had a little burst of volatility uh, a couple of days and it just amounts, it keeps amounting to nothing. So I'm still the same, same situation. Just waiting to see if the UVXY and these awful volatility products can stay, you know, green for a day or two. And then, you know, maybe we get a, you know, get some selling that begets more selling. Eventually there's going to be a cascade just like, it's going to come out of nowhere like the Tesla move. You know, no one was thinking short at 965, and then you gave up 100 points. That move is going to be exactly what the market does. But then the question is, what happens after that? So let's say we do sell off 10%. Is it over? Is the market done? We'll, 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 we'll base out, we'll consolidate, and we'll start to go back up again. I think that's why now people are believing in we're never going to go down, which is kind of scary. If everybody thinks we're never going down, that's when we'll finally have a, a, hey, a decent sell-off. Kenny, let me let me hop in here real quick. Uh, S&P futures are popping a little bit. We got the jobs number at 8.30, so triple D, go wide there. Uh, pull your markets. We'll let you hop off. Uh, Kenny, you want to stay on for the number? Or, uh, wait, you got yeah, Hell yeah. GE's over 13, baby. Yep. Uh, All my Tesla's money is in GE right now. I can't believe I'm in GE, but... We just broke 13. What about, uh, S what about SPCE? Someone was asking uh, what you thought about that. Uh, that is my, right now, that's still my biggest position on. I got lots of space because there's no viruses in space, baby. I, I, I thought it was partially getting, you know, Tesla in a, in a way because, hey, you got awesome cars. Let's go to space. And I don't know, Tesla was going to buy them out. I love that stock. I love it. And, Please don't talk about earnings because they're never going to make any money. That's the point. Who cares? Stock well, goes to have, 50. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, high two days ago, backing off. Are you just you waiting for like a blow off top here, protecting yourself on the downside? How are you playing SPCE? I have um, whatever position I have on, I have double the amount of January $35 calls written against the position. So okay. I'm sort of hedged, you know, 
So let's say I've got 10,000 shares. I've got, you know, 200 oh, contracts. Oh, wait. I'm going to interrupt you, Kenny. Big beat on the jobs number. The estimate was 160,000 jobs. The number was 225,000 for non-farm payrolls. So 225,000 new jobs added last month versus 160,000 estimate. Unemployment rate was expected to stay steady at 3.4%, 3.5%, excuse me. And it is uh, – it's 3.6 now. So uh, slight increase in unemployment, but a big, big beat on the non-farm payroll figure for January. 160,000 jobs expected, 225,000 jobs added. Nice pop. Got, uh, you know, you saw people uh, anticipating a good number, so we popped up ahead of the number. Uh, big old green candle here. Uh, you just nicked 45 even, 33.45. So there you go. There's your number. You're through mid-range on the session here. I'm keeping an eye on 45 and a half. The reason I'm keeping an eye on 45 and a half is that was your all-time closing high from yesterday. Um, after you broke down yesterday, uh, that, um, you know, last night we came through 45 and a half, which was a close, you got a little bit of a decline. But uh, – Hold it up here. They like the jobs number. We're rallying, Kenny. So no Absolutely. worries out there. No worries I, I, out there. I'm, I'm hoping that we do. I, I'm hoping we have a Friday sell-off again like we had. The last two Fridays have been exceptional. But, yeah, I mean, just watching UBXY, it's already telling me that it's probably going to be a bye-bye-bye kind of day. But, uh, you know, what can you do? This is just, you know, I'm looking at who reported you know, the Uber, I love Uber. I'm looking for, you know, if it could chop around down here and break back over that 40. It got as high as 41 aftermarket. Stock probably goes back to 41 today. I'm a big fan of Twitter today. I think you're going to get some more follow through. I think you might even see 40. I'm still in the Qualcomm. So okay. that's the, you know, I, I love this market right now. You know, until, until it bucks me off, you know, then I'm just going to be doing exactly the same thing I've been doing for the last, you know, 10 years. It, it, do, it just, to, do it to it doesn't work, right, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, what else can you do? It's, it's incredible. All right, Kenny. Kenny Glick from hitthebid.com joining us here on Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep Show. As always, fun, interesting, and uh, get a chuckle listen to you, Kenny. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Good luck today. Have a great weekend. All right. Uh, Spencer, you gave those numbers, pretty blowout numbers here. Uh, let's see. Uh, banks not really reacting to this much. Uh, I see Bank of America down a nickel. I'm just looking at the implications for interest rates, right? Because if the economy gets too hot, people might be worried about interest rates going up. And that's that good for banks, but uh, not much movement here in the equities. Um, I'm seeing some stocks move off this, but it's primarily in the futures market. Gold came back a little bit off uh, its lows from the session, perhaps a little bit of uh, inflationary uh, fears coming out with a hot number, but economy still seems to be rolling along here. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get triple D back before we bring DLT our next. is still green. Um, I think that's got you somewhat, you know, you got to look, obviously, the banks move opposite to that. You would think on this number that the banks would lift and they kind of did, but the TLT really didn't. It was up green already. It didn't really sell off. It sell off a bit. It sell off a bit. I would have thought the TLT would sell off more from where it was. And I think that's why the banks aren't, you know, seeing the kind of rally. You can watch the TLT. We've always said, you know, this is one of the trades I use all the time. When you trade in the banks, just watch the TLT. If TLT is ripping higher, banks are usually going to be relatively weak. If TLT is ripping lower or falling significantly, banks are usually going to be strong. Right now, the TLT is holding up fairly well. Logic would have said that they would have hit that a little bit yep. you know, more, um, and, and they haven't hit it much. So, I, And the market you know, did rip on it originally, too, and it kind of gave it back. So I'm not sure if this is a head fake here, and we are still going to just all of a sudden turn around and rip higher. But as of right now, TLT is not as weak as you would think it should be. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not super impressed with that rally. Um, I wish I would have had some more offers out there. I, I know. I wish I would have too, actually. But I, you know, this market, like, how do you? It's a kind of market that could just keep ripping, you know. So it's yeah. it's tricky on these head fakes. I didn't do very much either. I did sell a little bit of banks on the pop. Um, I got a, a little bit of my one bank on the pop. That was it. I made one trade. So it wasn't it wasn't really it wasn't up there long, Joel. 
there really wasn't a lot. No, of it wasn't. I mean, if you it had orders sitting start, out there, yeah. but you know how gutsy it is to sit your order out there because you get, you know, if it's really, you know, that number is pretty good. It could have just ran and picked up. I think there's a lot of other things to be worried about here today with the markets as well. So there's a little bit of a hang, you know, that I, I, I don't think they love the idea of this cruise ship, especially the New Jersey one now. So there's going to be some worries out there. This is I don't bad. We're rolling really... over like a dead, like yeah, a we pig are. are here. Man, oh, man, oh, man. That was TLT is ripping higher here now. Yeah. So... Um, the reason, I mean, I was looking for the rip, and the reason that, I mean, I had an area that I was comfortable with uh, because, the you know, that closed from yesterday. I mean, you can't tell me that that 45 and a half, you know, that closed, actually, what, 45 and a, uh, uh, 45 and a quarter, I mean, your all-time closing high was also your daily pivot. I mean, it's, you know, come and get me. But, uh, man, need to cancel those orders. You got to be – I mean, and I would have been comfortable at that area, you know, stopping out if it made a new high. But I can cancel that order right now because we are <laughs> rolling over. All right. So it's a good time then to bring on our second guest of the day and our final guest of the week, Jeremy Schwartz. He's the director of research at Wisdom Tree has a really good uh, overall view of the market, and I'll bring him on right now. Uh, Jeremy, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing okay. Uh, how have you been approaching this market? We've been on the theme. The theme for us this week has been it's been a weird market, weirder, weirder than normal it seems. So, how have you been approaching this market? Yeah, I mean, at the end of last year, you had a very interesting rotation going on. And part of this is tied to what you're just talking about interest rates. You know, you've been in a 10 year growth led market where all these high PE stocks have been outperforming your lower PE. You had a return to value, um, which in a lot of ways was sim symbolized by things like Europe, um, which has a lot of the banks and financials and just sort of more value trades coming back at the end of last year. And, and then January came and it all reversed again and growth was leading the market higher uh, and value, small cap value in particular was, was really hurt. Like our, our top performer this year is a cloud computing ETF up over 10% year to date sort of small cap high growth companies, um, WCLD is that. Um, and so I, you know, what's interesting, I mean, I think, you know, certainly, Markets just have, have shrugged off this coronavirus and all the scares coming out of China. Um, you know, we happen to like emerging markets longer term. When we think about where is emerging markets trading relative to the U.S., we think EM is a sort of long-term value play. And now, you know, the short term, it's going to be all dominated by the headlines. But we like China longer term, um, and we like sort of the growth elements in China and emerging markets. Um, but for sure, it's the headlines dominating. And so uh, you bring up an interesting point that you like emerging markets, you like China long term. So how are you sort of squaring that circle of liking it long term, but uh, under appreciating what could be a severe uh, short term headwind? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, you know, you get this by the dip mentality or, you know, people a lot of times you overreact to this sort of short-term news and that creates those opportunities. So now, you know, we don't know all the fallout and China could, you know, they're, they're shutting down cities and this could, this is going to have a material impact on, on the global economy. There's no question about it. Um, but people often panic. And so, you know, at least panic in the, in the equity prices. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you got to look at it. If you like as a long-term growth story, what's going on in, in China and the emerging markets. And we do think the technology sector there, as an example, has as strong, if not stronger growth prospects and technology stocks in the U.S. Um, and so we like a core EM position tilted towards China growth, or, you know, we have two ETFs. One is China X state-owned CXSE. It's really one of the, the lowest cost trying ETFs with this core growth tilt. Uh, and then the broader one, EM, which is the broader emerging markets, XSUE, we're seeing a lot of interest in that. It's almost close to a billion dollars today, up from like 200 million about a year ago. Um, so it, there's a lot of people saying long-term EM is a good place to be. Um, Short-term, it's, it's questionable, but that's why people are looking at it as an opportunity. We're on the line with Jeremy Schwartz, Director of Research at Wisdom Tree. Uh, Jeremy, I, is there any point um, where you consider, you know, hedging portfolios or 
taking something off the table. I mean, that, you know, the rally that we had uh, this week caught a lot of people by surprise. A lot of a lot of air underneath if we ever do go back down. Is that is cash your kind of is your alternative to being in the market or I mean, I haven't employed many hedging strategies over the years. And, uh, you know, on the occasion that, you know, I did hasn't turned out so great. What's your thoughts on hedging portfolios? No, I mean, it's, it's a really tricky situation as people, you know, if they have long-term capital gains baked in, do they want to sell if they're getting nervous on what's going on in the markets? What else can you do? Um, you know, what's, I, for sure, bonds have been this ultimate hedge. I think even you were commenting on why didn't the markets react better or, you know, the, what's happening in the TLT versus the interest rates where they are this morning. You had a very strong jobs number, but you had weakness out of Europe, uh, Asia overnight. And so bond rates are down um you, you know now the jobs market we'll see if they if they get a little bit more but you see bonds is one of these ultimate hedges on stocks mm-hmm. um and there's there's doesn't seem to be anything changing that you know for sure the longer term risk is you know what happens if rates spike higher and will that pressure equity markets but there seems to be no move on that it just seems to be bonds are the ultimate hedge bond. yep and now as a derivative of that um i see gold today as a similar thing i mean we're seeing gold getting back to like priced in euros it's at all-time highs um now you know partly that in in euro you have negative yield so gold is a positive carry asset for europeans because you know they're not getting negative rates in gold um and so i I, i've been seeing more case for for gold as a diversification play uh as well uh a lot of people were pounding the table on energy stocks for 2020 uh you know playing catch up uh with the market uh, crude uh, can't catch a bid to save its life. I don't think it's had two updates since the beginning of the month here. Uh, any, you know, any any thoughts on oil, oil-related companies, the, the, the entire sector? I think, you know, that has been like t- talking about this high PE versus low PE story for the last decade. Energy has been the worst performing sector over the last decade. And so, I think the value investors are saying, like, when is this going to turn around? Are prices getting too despondent? Valuations so good that eventually, you know, that the expectations have been marked down so much that they turn around. You know, in a lot of our systematic relative value rebalancing strategies that, you know, we do allocate according to earnings or dividends and we'll have meaningful allocations to that from that. Um, it hasn't worked for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you see that in sort of small caps in particular. But, um the value story that is one of the big value sectors right now. And uh, what's your buddy Jeremy Siegel saying about the markets? You know, we do a show. I'm here at Warren today. Um, you know, he's been cautious. Um, you know, as the markets ripped higher, he was saying, you know, what's going to be the catalyst that keeps it going? And um, you know, you know, last year we were all in the trade headlines. Now we're on the virus headlines. But he is definitely getting more cautious for sure. All right. I want to interrupt. Jeremy, do you get the sense, like, how rational do you feel like the market is right now? Is it, is it exuberant? Is it, like, I guess I'm trying to, like, how, you know, we just had this crazy move in Tesla and the coronavirus doesn't seem to be impacting markets much. How, yeah. uh, like, what is the sentiment like in the market from your point of view right now? Well, it's two, you're, you're battling a few really, you know, the long-term way of looking because you know the, the short term who knows what's going to happen tomorrow but when you think about where are the markets priced for a pure valuation basis and we go back to bonds being this negative beta asset this hedge on the markets well the 10-year tips yield is negative and so if you're allocating to bonds over the long term and you have a negative forward-looking 10-year real return that's a challenge i mean and that's one of the things that we actually just created some new model portfolios with professor siegel that sort of challenge the traditional 60 40 to get you more 75, 25 to equities because of this, you know, where stocks are expensive and they're priced for below average looking returns. Like the Siegel's long-term real return for stocks was 6.8%. Today he's saying it's five. Um, so that's, you know, 1.8% below average, but bonds are like 3% below average. You know, their long-term real return was three and a half and today they're negative. So I think, we, it, you know, you hear the acronym TINA, there's no alternative. And there's some truth to that in the sense that what are you going to do for a 60-40 um, and you, you're being forced to equities? 
Um, and so I'd say, yes, yeah, stocks are expensive compared to average, but bonds are way more expensive. And then what else are you going to do? Uh, go to alternatives. I don't, I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, so anything aside from uh, emerging markets, China, and everything you've just discussed that, that you have your eye on, any earnings reports that strike your fancy one way or the other? I mean, this breakout in the cloud computing sector, WCloud, is the one that, you know, WCLD is what we're watching. I mean, it's certainly been on fire. I mean, and, and I think it goes to, you know, we have really one on the exact opposite. Small cap earnings is EES. It's sort of small cap value versus WCloud. You know, there was a day this week where, you know, the, the small cap value was up 2.7 and the cloud was down 2.7. So like a 500 basis point spread between the two. Um, and so EES is that, you know, small cap value play, but W cloud is your growth play. And, and, and I do think the trend, you know, you think about where technology is, where software is, so software is eating hardware in, in a long-term part of the tech sector and cloud is, is sort of eating the software sector. So we do like W cloud as a really interesting high growth play. Uh, and you're seeing that this year up over 10% to start the year. Okay, with just, uh, you know, the recent volatility, you know, the nice run up in January, giving it back here. Do you have any, you have any year end targets or projected trading range for 2020, uh, you know, basis, either Dow, S&P, whatever index you like to follow? I mean, we were, it's a, it's a more subdued year. I mean, last year you had big up moves. Um, we were only thinking five, seven percent this year for the broad markets and you had a big pop so you got a lot of it to start the year and so we're a little bit more cautious i'd say you know from that you know just where the marks have come where valuations have been we don't expect a high high amount so focusing on on companies that return cash flow high dividend stocks I and mean, i think that's part of this bid to low volatility strategies um you know, as you're getting later in the cycle, um, we, we still like dividends as one of the, the premier places to be within the markets as well. All right. Jeremy Schwartz is director of research at Wisdom Tree. Jeremy, thanks for the time and have a good one. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. Pleasure to talk to you guys. All right. Uh, question that we got, somebody actually called in. Let's take sure. No, I want to ask this question. His question comes down to, do stocks always fill gaps? That's, that's the general crux of it. No. No, not always. <laughs> That's the answer. Nothing always happens. Is there no. a viable strategy, an edge? Well, you take this, Joel. You take this one. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just in this decimal Latin world here, too. I mean, I, an exact gap fill. I mean, you know, 13, 14, 15 cents. I mean, I, I mean the gaps are, are not always filled. And there's some people waiting for a lot of gaps are filled, but have it. What I, what I will say is when you do get a gap fill, and I know this is a little bit off the question, it's really important to see what happens because the you know price has memory. And, and a great example here today in, uh, in Pinterest, right? Did I announce it right? Yes. Pinterest. Yes, you, got you know, it. you had all this consolidation at 28 bucks for like a month. And then you had the big drop down. So people were, are in at 28, they're in at 28 at higher. Uh, in order to fill the gap here, you need to get up to, what's uh, the bottom of that gap day? Um, boom, boom. Was it lower than that? Let's see here. The bottom of the gap, 2476. We've kind of blown that away. That doesn't look like. Uh, well, You're going to gap into a gap here too, Joel. So I know, that's that tough. I have no idea. <laughs> and we're going to no create idea. another gap in the chart. So we're going to fill the old gap and then we're going to come in and we're going to make a new gap. So, I mean, it's a viable strategy. What I would say is, you know, usually the way I do gap fills is when the stock starts coming back into the gap, that's when you look for it to fill, not necessarily buying it because on the first day that makes a gap, like shorting Pinterest today, because eventually it's going to come back down and fill that gap. I would wait until, you know, you see what today's low is. And then you see, because you don't want to get a gap and go situation like Tesla where you get murdered. So, you know, you wait and you see what happens. Does it start to, you know, where's the low for today? Where's the low for tomorrow? Where's the low for next day? Do we start to get, but do we start to, you know, then break those lows and get back into that gap area? That's where it gets interesting. When the momentum is again in your favor. Today, if you're shorting this on the open, the momentum is going the other way. You're a pure contrarian. And, I've, and in this market, it's been a very tough sell, especially in 2020. 
it's been tough to be a contrarian. People learn that the hard way in Tesla. Um, you know, yes, there was somebody that sold the 960 high, but there's a lot more people that got run over thinking this is 600. It can't go to 700 or 800 or 900. And then it did. So it's a tricky market to just say, oh, stock's gapping up. I'm going to sell on the first day. That's going to fill that gap. We're just not in that kind of market here right now where, you know, stocks that are really having moves. Sometimes they do. But more often than not, you see a lot of follow through happening in some stocks. Twitter had follow through. Um, you know, from its gap yesterday. So if you were selling that on the open, you were hurt significantly. The open was the low. That was a classic Dead gap low, and go. Yeah. Gap and go. And it ran and it ran right up to the next resistance point. And there's probably people who may be short on the open who are looking to cover. So you get anywhere near that 36 and a half, 37, you got buyers down there now. So you can't even think about that Twitter gap right now. I'd be more concerned that this thing could actually go higher if I was short it. So actually on the pullback, I kind of like Twitter. So it all depends on context. But when they start to get back into that gap area, that's where they start to get interesting. Right. And, uh, you know, consolidations after the gaps, too, are, uh, are interesting to watch. But uh, I hope, uh, hope we answered that question for you. Right, let's get to some earnings here. Uh, Ten minutes left in our show. I want to do Uber. We sort of kind of hit on it earlier with Kenny, but not really. So uh, the earnings for Uber uh, were good. They lost less money than expected their earnings per share 64 cent loss versus 68 cent loss estimate revenue came in slightly above estimates again 4.069 versus 4.06 billion dollars so slight beat on the revenue and a beat on the earnings as well losses are narrowing big old pop uh up Dude. to uh 4103 and uh, now you've backed off, hanging in there at 39 and a half. I think JV Spec uh, yeah. identified a huge order in there, right? Was it 530 Yeah, I saw him posted earlier. No, yeah, it was today. Go grab 530,000. 530,000 right? offered at 40. I mean, Uber is going to trade a huge volume, so can take it out. But there's all those numbers. It's funny how, you know, they'll get up there 39, 80, 85, and then fail. So, you know, you get up to the 39, 80, 39, 85, it's like I'd be more of a seller until it takes out the 40. So it takes up the 40, then you think it can go. So 40 is going to be big, a big test for it. Can it take out the 40? Same thing with Lyft today. Um, 50 is always a big psychological number. Lifting is, Lyft is lifting off of the Uber numbers. Um, so we'll see what it does at 50. But uh, those big numbers, those big orders in the book, like JV Speck, and, you know, and I look for them too, those can be turning points. I mean, there's no coincidence General Electric has been struggling at 13 for one reason, because there's just a huge seller sitting in the book at $13. I think JV Speck was talking about that one the other day. I have my book open right now, so I can tell you about it too. And I'm sure they're still there. I know, you know, it took it out in the pre-market, but that doesn't mean it's taken out this order that's sitting there in the regular session. Yeah, there's 640,000 shares sitting there, which is nothing for GE. But you think about, you know, 640,000 shares only traded 566,000 in the pre-market. So is it going to take it out? Probably. Today's probably the day it is going to take it out. Is there any news on GE? Because it's really got a lot of relative strength going. Um, someone said that, uh, did our buddy John Inch, uh, uh, do something with it at Gordon Haskett? I did not get a chance. To oh, he did. He upgraded it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's a game changer. So upgrade it to hold price target from, raises from seven to 11. I said, I've been saying on this show for six months when inch gets bullish, I'll get bullish. Inch isn't getting bullish, but he's not bearish anymore. So I think there's a good opportunity here in GE for the classic breakout here. Depending overall market rolls over, it kind of takes everything with it. But I think, you know, you're seeing the strength in GE. This is pure Gordon Haskett. John Inch is very well followed. So I would not be surprised this shows a lot of relative strength here today. So I'm with you, Kenny. I think GE breaks out here today over 13, you know, in the pre-market. So maybe get a shot. Maybe get a shot to buy this thing at $13. Maybe that opening order holds it down. This would be a stock that I'd be interested in buying. Uh, yeah, John Inch was was the one who sort of walked this thing down from what thirty to yeah wherever we got five. Uh, he was the first one, then Tuso was in there too. The two of them ganging up right. on it, but John Inch was the first one that made the call. So you know he's all of a sudden not as bearish as he was. That makes me a little more bullish. Maybe this G turnaround is for real. All right. Uh, I wish he would have went to buy. If he went to buy, I'd been buying. I think we'll <laughs> but you know, you, you sometimes you say you can't blindly follow analysts on certain stocks. There's some analysts that you can do a pretty good job. Remember what was that? You know, we get Michael Pactor on the show and Michael Pactor. Remember that stock that he was covering? Um, Netflix? The game stock it made candy crush King. Remember King King? Yeah. yeah. It ended up getting taken over. Yeah. And he said that day, 
he said he this is how bullshit he covers it with a buy and he says it's just ridiculously cheap he says i almost want to stop he said it on our show he said i almost want to stop <laughs> covering the stock so because i he can't buy or sell the stock right. that he covers so he says i almost want to stop covering the stock just so i can buy it and the day he said that i was like i'm buying this and i bought a bunch of king and I think I bought it like $12 and later it got taken off the board. I don't remember at 16 or $17, you know, not even like six, like six months later. So absolutely right. You know, there's just some analysts that just no stocks. Uh, another reason why I'm an Activision Blizzard. Um, that was Michael Pactor on our show a year ago said he thinks it's a double. Um, it was at $50. It's 60 now. It's obviously not a double here yet, but there's some analysts that just really know their stuff. There's other analysts that, you know, that cover a lot of different things. Some analysts are really good. Gordon Haskett, uh, John Inch is one of those on General Electric. He knows his stuff. Now, again, he's not saying buy it. He's just not as bearish as he was. So it's right. not, if, he, it, if he turned around with the buy, hey. this thing would be ripping. Yep. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i dial him up and see if I can get yeah, him. Yeah, let's get uh, him because he's been on sure lots of times. I'm sure yeah. we can get, yep. you know, maybe we can get him on for tomorrow. Great tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow, but uh, well, well, you, you can talk tomorrow, but I'll talk to him Monday. Uh, great okay. segue, Dennis, into ATVI. They had earnings after the bell. Actually, ATVI and Take-Two, yeah. both their earnings yesterday, so we'll, we'll, I'll do both right now. Activision's earnings were good. The EPS beat a buck 23 versus buck 19. Sales beat 2.7 versus $2.68 billion, so beat and beat for ATVI, Activision, um, I'm sorry, Take-Two, the, uh, actually, let's just do Activision first and, and then I'll do Take-Two. I own them both, full yeah. disclosure, I own them both in my long-term portfolio. I don't plan on doing anything with them here today. Obviously disappointed with the Take-Two. Um, it was interesting, it sold off when they lost Hauser and then it rallied all the way back in two days. I guess that was my opportunity. I guess I should have taken it because it's right back down here again. You got good support. You got those three lows in November at 115 if you're trading it. I'm just holding on to it because I believe in e-gaming going forward. I own both these stocks. Um, Activision Blizzard obviously did a little bit better here. Stock trying, going to try maybe today. But again, it's a tough tape for it today. Uh, yeah, let's take a look at uh, ATVI and that uh, way off its uh, its pre-market high. That was a make call in an after-hours high. Uh, someone hit the buy button here at 6301. Uh, you peeled back from that area, so talking from a you know from a daily perspective, and maybe the, if the person from Gaps is uh, still listening. I have for a short-term perspective here, uh, support at yesterday's high old resistance, new support at 60.64. So if you're shorting it for some reason off the open, that would be your first level of support. Coming back, it's just, it's been kind of quiet here. It's one of those pre-markets where price is still being discovered. 61 and a half is where it's currently trading. I get interested. I'd like to see if it can get through this 61 and a half i like to see what happens at 62. Uh, January 22nd, you had a 61.90 high the day before 61.64. So uh, it'd be what, a crazy day on the upside if you get above 62. Uh, longer it takes to take out that pre-market high, maybe a little bit of a fade. Take two, interactive, down one day, back up the next, trading lower again. We are not far off that pre-market low here. That's a 114.03, currently trading at, well, I guess we are a little bit off it. So I'll use that, that 114.03 as support, uh, currently trading at 116. And what do you have on the dailies? Uh, on the dailies, a low at, at 115. So yeah, what? I like that area, 114, 115. Actually, there's a pair of lows at, uh, we'll call it 115.40. So if you're looking looking for support ahead of the pre-market low. Yeah, take two, uh, a little more mixed on the earnings. The, the, the earnings were fine. The revenue was light, though. The revenue came in below expectations. $888 million versus $921 million on the estimate there for the revenue. So mixed report for take two, and you're yep. seeing that play out this morning in the tape. I, uh, haven't, uh, I haven't dialed up Drake lately uh, to play Fortnite. Uh, that's probably so. Um, you haven't heard much about that Fortnite lately, have you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's still really big. It's yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what you've heard or haven't heard, but it's still, <laughs> it's still really big. Um, they want to talk Marvel. A couple of people asking in the chat. This was okay. downgraded from Cowan, I believe, today. 
and they're going from buy to sell and then $18 price target. Kramer talks about the stock all the time. You know what? I kind of wanted this one and I do want this on my long-term portfolio and I've been eyeing this one for a while. I'm eyeing this 23 to 24 area. It looks like you're going to get a shot today. I've been saying I'm not going to buy anything in my long-term portfolio. I've wanted this stock for a long time now um, in my portfolio. The 5G play. It's a 5G play. Um, I don't know if I can pull the trigger. I should because I've wanted it for a while. We get down here at 23. It's very, it's, it's got support down here at 23 to 24. That's a big downgrade though. Count cuts to underperform from buy price target 18 bucks. That's your catalyst. Uh, multiple lows around that 2350 area that you, you were talking about, uh, 2294. There's actually three lows um, in the, right around 23. So if you're looking for a lower risk buy, lower the move in October, uh, could come into play here. Uh, trading just off the pre-market low. Pre-market low comes in at 2409. Uh, I'm going through uh the chats i'm looking for anything else that we i mean, I mean we missed a lot there's there's there's, always there's a, a lot ton of people and obviously oh it's already 901 hey. yeah and i know we ran out of time fly, here final flies when you spend a half hour talking about the, the virus but uh, I, I think my final thoughts just are this market's so bloody resilient kenny makes good points i mean you've got you know we know we've got government intervention over here it's a difficult market to stay short i think you could have a week day to day just because people may not be want to be long going to the weekend I do believe eventually some of this is going to come to roost. That's why as a long-term investor, if you're fully invested on margin right now, I wouldn't want to be there. Um, I've raised some cash in case we do eventually have, I believe, an inevitable pull, pull, pullback. I don't, I don't agree with Kenny that this is you know, a one-off and it's going to get solved right away and we don't have to worry about this. I think it's still a significant worry. So, you know, I'm seeing what's happening. You know, I don't believe they're going to contain it as well as they did with SARS or Ebola. I mean, obviously they haven't already. We have way more cases than we had with SARS or Ebola. And they say the mortality rate is a lot of people, every single person that I talk to, they say, well, it's just like the flu. Well, first of all, the way they calculate the mortality rate is not correct because, I mean, you're getting new cases and they just simply take the cases, divide by the deaths, and they come up with this 2% number but people aren't dying on the first day they're diagnosed. So that's why I think the mortality rate is significantly higher than 2%. But even if we go low ball and leave it at 2%, which I don't believe is, I think it's going to come in at eight to 10% like the SARS did. I really believe that when the final tallies are all tallied up on this. Uh, But if it's only 2% um, and we do, we'll just leave it and we'll take, you know, we'll, we'll take media and say it's only 2%. It's still almost 10 times more or 15 times more deadly than the normal flu. So it is scary and it is airborne. It's very contagious. You can see on these cruise ships when you have 61 people out of 3,600 people getting it. And the person who was on that cruise ship, the, the original person who was on it, wasn't even on that cruise. It was from the cruise before. And the reason they started checking people was because somebody got sick from the cruise before that one. So it wasn't even like this person, but he was probably coughing through the ship, touching stuff. They don't clean them maybe as well as you know, they should. And some, they, the turnover is really fast. They clean them, but you know, maybe not to the sterile where a flu virus can't live. So you think about all those things and you think, is this the kind of market I want to load up and be on margin on? No. Um, but again, I'm not short this market uh, because, and I'm still long in my long-term portfolio because you're fighting China, you're fighting, you know, government intervention. They're, they do not want the markets to go down. We start to go down, you know, the Fed will have the markets back too. I mean, they're so hard to fight, um, fight the government and that's what you're doing in this case. So with that being said, th- those are my thoughts. I think caution still is how I'm approaching this market. And uh, just shorter term perspective here. We had to pop off the jobs number. We got close to that old time closing high, 45 and a half. That's what I would like to see us rally to this morning. Clear 45 and a half. Take out that pre-market high. No resistance. after. Well, actually, you do have a number. Uh, overnight, uh, two nights ago, you went to 57.75, I believe. Uh, when uh, the China taught having the tariffs. So there's an ultimate target right there for today. If in fact you could get through that pre-market high, but uh, my focus is on the close that all time closing high uh, closing price from yesterday at 33.45. One thing about the mortality rate too, just one more comment there. And people keep saying, oh, SARS was higher. If you looked at the track and how they were tracking, it was the same way. They thought the SARS rate early in the virus, the SARS mortality rate was 1% to 2%. 
and it ended up much higher at the end for the reasons that I'm citing is that you can't just simply take the cases load and do it. And then it's a matter of, you know, can we even believe any of the numbers we're seeing? So can you really calculate a mortality rate? Because we don't even know what the real numbers are. You know, I just know that, you know, if there's only 600 people dead and if there's really only 600 people dead, why is like, you know, why is it so? And if it's just like the normal flu, why all the draconian measures here? Why are this, the extreme measures? Why are they dousing the whole, you know, city with, you know, sprays and stuff coming out? It looks like cement mixers, like a parade going down the streets and they're just spraying down buildings. I mean, why? If there's only 600 people dead, you know, and it's good that they're, they're taking these measures, but all of these actions I see tell me it's a lot more serious than they want us to believe. And on that happy note, I will wrap up for the show <laughs> this week. I want to thank our guests today, Kenny Glick and Jeremy Schwartz. You can always catch a replay of our show on youtube.com slash Benzinga TV or on our podcast, because on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much wherever your podcasts are available. Uh, click on the link in the description of this video for a discount and free two-week trial to Benzinga Pro. Uh, you can always email us, premarket at benzinga.com. Or call us and leave us a voicemail, 734-494-0246. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for uh, trading, investing, or even healthcare advice. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.